Hi there, I'm Tilda Joy, bringing you this week's episode of Stick Together, a show all about union news and social justice issues. I'd like to acknowledge that this program is created on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation. Sovereignty has never been ceded. This episode was recorded on Wurundjeri and Woonwurrung Country for 3CR Community Radio and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Stick Together is brought to you on your local community radio station thanks to the support of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. This week we have an interview with Josh Cullinan, the National Secretary of the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union, talking about the fight for fast food workers' rights in the Fair Work Commission. We chat to Linda and Austin from the Australian Services Union about the situation for casual library workers being laid off in Geelong, and we have some recordings from the National Tertiary Education Union's recent National Day of Action rally, which was held here in so-called Melbourne. But first, let's have some union news. On Tuesday the 19th of May, the Fair Work Commission approved changes to the Fast Food Industry Award sought by the Australian Industry Group, the SDA and the Australian Council of Trade Unions. These changes, opposed by both the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union and the CFMMEU, took place with immediate effect last week for all businesses who could not participate in the JobKeeper program because they had not lost enough income. Justice Ian Ross wrote in his ruling, We accept that the proposed variation may result in low-paid employees receiving less pay than they would for the same hours under the current terms of the award. Stay tuned for an interview with Josh Cullinan from the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union, recorded before the decision, detailing how this deal will affect workers. On the 21st of May, members of the National Tertiary Education Union, supported by various student unions, held a National Day of Action with rallies and convoys held across the country. The demonstrations called for the jobs of casual staff to be protected, for the federal government to fill the funding shortfall, and for public universities to be included in the JobKeeper scheme. Stay tuned for recordings from the rally held in so-called Melbourne. In other NTEU news, a vote scheduled for the 25th of May in regards to the proposed National Jobs Protection Framework has been postponed. The controversial scheme is a deal between the union and the universities which has seen widespread opposition from rank-and-file membership, with many local university branches passing motions denouncing the concessions being proposed in the framework. Due to what is being dubbed a reporting error, it has been revealed that the JobKeeper program costs taxpayers $60 billion less than the $130 billion the federal government had initially projected. While ministers are attempting to spin this to claim that the Australian economy is doing better than expected, workers and their unions are questioning why the government claimed not to be able to afford a wage guarantee for casuals, migrant workers and public servants. You're listening to Stick Together, recorded for 3CR Community Radio and broadcast nationally by the Community Radio Network. Uh, Hi there, we're joined today by Linda from the Geelong Regional Library. Um, I was wondering if you could introduce yourself quickly. Oh, hi, I'm Linda. I worked as a casual library officer at Geelong Regional Library Corporation uh, until uh, middle of COVID when I decided to resign from the position. And you're a member of the Australian Services Union? Yes, I joined them when I joined the library. So I was wondering if we could start with a bit of background into what's been happening in regards to staffing um, at the library due to the COVID-19 crisis. So in mid-March, when the virus 
issue took off, we very quickly responded by closing the libraries to prevent transmission to the public and to protect staff. Um, and what that meant was the casuals were told that they had no more shifts from the 31st of March. Uh, that happened during mid-March, so anyone who didn't have any shifts, their income ceased immediately. And how many people do you think that affected? Uh, the best of my understanding is there's 32 casuals who work as casual library officers and that there were 18 uh, shelvers, so these are the junior staff who come in from after school to put the books away. So you've been working as a casual at the library. What's that like? Like, what's the workload like? We found it was really interesting. We, I was moving from branch to branch last year. I worked in 14 of the branches and we were used nearly every day of the week. It was quite common to work 20 to 30 hours. So in some ways, we're more a flexible workforce than a casual workforce. Um, but we, I, I had a look at how many hours we worked in April 2019, and people who are working, uh, working in casual shifts in April last year did 1,770 hours. So these are hours covering existing staff so they can attend meetings or do training or to cover illness. Um, sometimes it's to run children's programs, the casuals will step in and do it. But it's a significant contribution to the working community in the library. Yeah, it sounds like a really integral part of it. Like the library really wouldn't run without regular input from, from you lot. What's working with the union been like? The union have been amazing uh, just to see the unity within our working community. So right early in the piece, we've, we've had a whole lot of people joining the union, getting together and discussing on these massive Zoom meetings, um, how we can help each other, how we can work together moving forward. It's been really interesting to get some insight into how much pressure has been put on some of the um, branch librarians and the children's librarians to provide these services online very rapidly. Um, and there's a sense of community realising that their workmates were suddenly, uh, as it was described, surplus to requirements. It's a remarkable phrase. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a remarkable phrase, <laughs> surplus to requirements. It's um, straight out of human resources, that's for sure. <laughs> Beautiful. Thanks so much for joining us today, Linda. Thanks, Timber. So we're joined here today by Austin from the Australian Services Union. Um, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, so my name is Austin. I'm a campaign organiser at the ASU. And as part of that role, I organise the library's portfolio, which means I'm responsible for getting all of the activists from libraries together and talking about the issues that they're going through which at the moment is the pandemic, obviously. And you've been working with uh, some of the ASU members out at the Geelong Regional Library? Yes, yes, I have. So uh, Geelong Council is one of my work sites as well, so I've been working quite closely with the library delegates out there. Awesome. So I was wondering if you could speak to how the pandemic has affected library workers more generally over the last couple of months. Yeah, so there was a lot of anxiety when the pandemic hit because libraries are not particularly hygienic places. There's a lot of touching of plastic and paper and a lot of uh, sharing and a lot of not adhering to social distancing when you're helping people on computers. So the directive was put out by the state government and the federal government to shut down libraries to the public fairly early on. And as a result of that, uh, our library members had to adapt very quickly and have since started delivering a lot of services online, which 
has been really wonderful to see. Unfortunately, though, we have seen some libraries respond to this by cutting hours for staff, uh, cutting staff entirely. In one case, we've seen a library terminate staff. So we've got the good side of things where lots of staff are still working and working out how they can serve their community and look after people online. And then we've got the bad side that lots of people are very anxious and being put out of work. So how would you rate the Geelong Regional Library Corporation's response to this pandemic? Uh, so Geelong... Regional Library Corporation would be on the bad side of employers. I wouldn't say they're the worst, but they're certainly on the worse end. So one of the things about Geelong Regional Library Corporation is they have a significant portion of casuals uh, that their staffing pool is made up of. Uh, so they've got 50 casuals there, which makes up a large proportion of their whole staff footprint. When the order came down to shut down the libraries, Geelong did a very bad thing in that they decided to just stop giving all of those 50 sh staff shifts. So they were effectively cut off and lost income almost immediately. There was never any real communication that that was going to happen. They just unilaterally decided to do that. Um, and at the time, all of the ASU members from the Geelong Regional Library Corporation got together and passed a re resolution to support the casuals and ask that they continue to be given shifts or paid a stipend throughout the duration of the shutdown. All of these communications have been entirely ignored by management and they are refusing to engage in any campaign to get the casuals reinstated. That, that's disgusting to hear. It must be very disheartening for your members out there. How would you have like to have seen that play out? How have other organisations handled this? So we know of at least a few organisations that have similar proportions of casuals to Geelong that are paying those casuals a stipend um, and guaranteed a stipend that relates to their average hours for around six months. That was the best one we saw. We had another council that did a similar thing to Geelong, but then has responded to kind of the community outrage and the member outrage by looking to redeploy casuals into different roles and offering them new job opportunities. We have other libraries that just haven't kind of engaged in this heavy casualization of library services and don't have, you know, 50 people on the books to just cut off because most of their employees are permanent staff and they've prioritised secure and permanent work. I understand with so many people out of work at the moment, um, the workers at the Geelong Regional Library put together a GoFundMe campaign. I was wondering if you could tell us about that. Yeah, so this was a really lovely idea. Initially, it started off as just the staff members chipping in to create care packages um, for people who were struggling, um, and they would go and deliver them to each other. And then it kind of evolved from there when they saw that management were just not responding to their calls to reinstate the casuals. They knew that they needed to kind of act collectively and act directly to try to support them through this time. So they created a GoFundMe and then they've broadened it out. And one of the most lovely things I've seen is we, we get together as a group of library delegates across the state uh, at least once a month, but generally a bit more regularly at the moment. And so many other ASU members from different libraries and ASU delegates from libraries across the state have gotten in contact with the activists from Geelong and asked how they can support them in the GoFundMe. It's something we've seen at other councils as well. I know at Maribyrnong Council, the staff raised about $2,000 
in a couple of days. Well, that's just amazing. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Austin. Yeah, no worries. We just heard from Linda and Austin speaking about the situation for workers at the Geelong Regional Library. You can support the workers there by chipping into their GoFundMe campaign. Just search for GoFundMe Geelong Library in any search engine and it should be the first hit. Geelong residents can contact the board of the Geelong Regional Library Corporation with a message of support for the 50 workers who have lost their incomes. Listeners elsewhere should be on the lookout for stories similar to this in your area. Public sector workers are bearing massive cuts and layoffs right now and really need your support. Up next, we have an interview with Josh Cullinan from RAFWU. We're going to be speaking about some of the changes to the Fast Food Award that took place last week. Please note that this interview was recorded before the Fair Work Commission approved these changes. So we're joined here today by Josh Cullinan, the National Secretary of the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union. Thanks for joining us, Josh. Thanks for having me, Tilda. So I thought we'd start off by talking about Maccas. Uh, we're recording on Monday the 18th of May, but on the 15th there was a hearing at the Fair Work Commission. How did that go? Yeah, sure. So um, we found out on Monday the 4th of May that a secret negotiations had gone on between the AIG, uh, Australian Industry Group, McDonald's and the SDA, um, also with the ACTU to make a series of changes to the Fast Food Industry Award. Uh, and they, they made an application on the 1st of May, on May Day. The changes themselves are threefold. One was to allow partial close downs and close downs of stores other than in accordance with the Act that it currently provides. The second was to allow for the employer to uh, require staff to take annual leave and they could only refuse it. Um, well, they couldn't refuse other uh, on unreasonable grounds, which basically puts a high threshold on workers. And the third one was to require part-time employment to change, to basically casualise part-time employment, albeit without a casual loading. Uh, set shifts, start and finish times would be gone and they would workers would have to wait for a weekly roster. Now, uh, we were uh, somewhat hopeful that AIG and McDonald's would um, back down, but um, they did not. And they persisted and uh, they were given a further week to put on their evidence and submissions. We were only given 24 hours to respond to that. Uh, we raised concern with that and we were granted 48 hours, uh, which was still a very short turnaround. Anyway, we, uh, we put our material in, uh, including a witness statement, it was a very strong response from RAFWU. Again, McDonald's and the AIG and the SDA put on very limited evidence. And uh, we made clear that the true intentions with this process is effectively to save McDonald's about a million dollars a week in casual loadings. A million dollars a week, that's an eye-watering figure, certainly for any average worker and absolutely for anyone you know, working under the award at a McDonald's store. Um, it's a huge amount of money, yeah. So this submission by the Australian Industry Group to cut the pay and conditions of fast food workers, that was supported by both the SDA and the Australian Council of Trade Unions. Now, it's not unusual for the SDA to kind of support the bosses in these kind of struggles, but... Why do you think the ACTU got involved in this case? Uh, the ACTU's participation is particularly disappointing. The only thing that we can identify uh, for their participation is either the personal interests of ACTU um, persons, uh, and that is the power, money and influence that the SDA wields, or it could just be a pragmatic decision on finance. We know that in February, McDonald's cut off payroll deductions 
for um, the SDA. Cutting off payroll deductions would have meant that they had no members um, and very few of those persons would have um, arranged to actually uh, restart their membership fees. So we think that the SDA is being driven in this purely on a pragmatic basis of they're desperate to get payroll deductions back in place. But of course, those payroll deductions also fund the ACTU. So what we have is uh, affiliation fees coming through from the SDA, probably in the order of $50,000 plus campaign levies, which can be for us the only reason the ACTU could have participated in this case supporting the bosses. So at the same time as this, we've seen an outbreak at the Faulkner McDonald's store, which has caused its closure. And following on from that, 12 further McDonald's stores across Melbourne have been closed. How's that affected workers? Yeah, it's quite distressing for workers at the moment because McDonald's um, generally has been uh, woeful at implementing systems to provide safe work environment. There's many stores without any hand sanitizer, and those that do have hand sanitizer have an ineffective um, hand sanitizer. Members have reported uh, very low uh, concentrations of alcohol um, on the packaging. It's not even, you know, it's not even hidden. Um, and so what's happened in, in Melbourne is that this Faulkner um, cluster um, has spread um, and we've now got Craggy Burn, another site with at least a couple of infections and one of the delivery drivers that went to 12 other stores has led to those 12 other stores being closed uh, for cleans. In a practical sense, we those workers who are working at those 12 stores are being quarantined uh, for two weeks and, and 1,000 workers stood down, uh, no pay, for the vast majority, uh, over 80%. That's just simply astonishing. Um, So, so far we've been talking a lot about safety and I understand that there's a number of safety campaigns being led by RAFWI members around the country and there's a couple of health and safety representative elections happening at the moment. Uh, We've done these before, but not on the scale that we've been implementing in recent weeks um, as workers have become aware of these issues and how they can collectively act to give themselves power through the health and safety legislation. At the moment, we're running health and safety representative elections with members in uh, Woolworth stores, Coles stores, JB Hi-Fi stores, uh, at Dimmick's uh, bookstores, at Bunnings. Um, all these types of stores have currently got um, those campaigns underway. And uh, listeners probably won't be aware that in retail and fast food, this is very rare. Well, let's be clear, I'm not aware of a McDonald's that has health and safety representatives. I'm not aware of any JB Hi-Fi's, 300 stores nationwide that has health and safety representatives um, because they don't. Same with Coles and with Woolworths. Um, All of these types of retailers have worked uh, hand in glove with the SDA abolishing their work groups, designated work groups or or other structures depending on the local um, safety legislation. Um, And they don't have health and safety reps. Um, They've got what's called safety teams. Uh, It calls, they even call them care passionately teams. Um, And these are... Care passionately? Yes. Oh, Um, Lord. And they're they're teams of of department managers and store managers that get together once a month, uh, have a chocky bicky, talk about uh, some of the safety concerns that might have come up, um, and then commit to do nothing about them. As you can imagine, we come up against the most basic objections... For example, at JB Hi-Fi, we've been trying to get health and safety reps up in a number of stores. Uh, The first step is to notify that negotiations are to commence. And on the 14th day after those notices, we get an email back to say there'll be a meeting next week at this time. 
And then in those meetings, they refuse to have more than one rep for the for the store. Uh, we even have one store where they're trying to demand that there be one rep for the entire state. Um, so we have these types of impediments put up in front of us every time, and we just keep persisting, keep pushing past. Um, and we're confident that in a whole range of these workplaces, we'll have health and safety representatives in place soon and be assisting them in getting trained and implementing their rights under the health and safety legislation. Thanks for speaking with us, Josh. Not a problem. That was Josh Cullinan, National Secretary of the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union, RAFWU. To close out the show today, we're going to play some recordings from the National Tertiary Education Union National Day of Action rally held in so-called Melbourne on the 21st of May. Hi there, how are you going today? Yeah, good, how are you? Uh, yeah, pretty good. Um, what's bringing you out to the rally? Um, so I'm a casual worker at Melbourne Uni and I'm here to um, fight for my job and the jobs of my comrades and colleagues and to, to defend our paying conditions in this very serious crisis that we're, we're, we're living through. Absolutely. So you're a casual, you're facing pretty uncertain kind of future for the next semester? Yeah, that's right. So I, I've been casually tutoring all year um, and, you know, they're saying now in my school that they'll be taking the casual work away from, from so the, the teaching work, sorry, away from casuals and overloading permanent staff. Uh, so for me that means potentially no work next semester in tutoring. Um, but they're, you know, we've got a, a union fight underway to, to stop that happening um, and, yeah, that's why I'm here today, I guess, to keep the pressure on the Vice-Chancellor um, to say we won't pay for the crisis, um, but to also you know, say to the government, say to Dan Tehan that it's time they stepped in and funded the shortfall that the sector is facing. Absolutely. So I understand there's a, a national framework um, being kind of uh, proposed to all the universities at the moment. Uh, and some branches of the NTEU are um, pushing for a kind of a vote no campaign. Um, how do you feel about that? Yeah, so I'll be voting no, um, and so will the majority of Melbourne Uni members, I, I believe. Um, we had a members meeting a couple of weeks ago where the vast majority of people voted uh, essentially against the framework and against any variations to our EBA that compromise our conditions and pay and to fight for every job. So, yeah, I'm very... I'm very worried about the framework. I think it entrenches pay cuts when we've fought for decades to have the kind of pay we have. Um, and, you know, there's very, from what I can read, very uh, scant and vague guarantees of jobs. And so that's a, a push coming from the branches themselves and the, you know, the rank and file? Yeah, that's right. That's, it's very much a push from the rank and file. In fact, the executive of our branch, so our president, uh, our secretary and our vice president all are pushing very hard for the framework. Um, but ordinary branch committee members and, there are, and um, ordinary members are, are voting against it consistently. All right, thanks for chatting to us. I think the police are showing up now, so um, maybe we better. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Hi, I'm here from uh, the Stick Together show. Uh, what, what brings you out today to the rally? Um, hi, I'm Jason. I'm an international student. I'm training to be a teacher, and I'm also uh, someone who's been involved in uh, these student solidarity campaigns for some time. Um, and I'm out here today to support the staff in their protest actions to save their save the casuals' jobs and uh, f- uh, close the funding shortfall. Um, we know that student, student learning conditions are staff working conditions um, and in particular for an international student like myself it's quite frustrating that we get billed the full fee of, of having to take these courses, something on the order of $5,000 per subject amounting to about 35000 a year and, even, and despite that um, extortion we are, our casual staff who, who do most of the work and who we really appreciate aren't being paid fairly and are at risk of losing their jobs while the execs are taking home all this money 
Absolutely. Um, thanks. Is there anything else you kind of want to um, add? That, I mean, I, I'd just like to say that um, solidarity forever on the picket line now, now and in the future. Uh, so from Malaysia to Australia, where, where I'm from, uh, solidarity with the, the teaching staff. Solidarity forever. Mm. When I say union, you say power! Union! Power! Union! Power! Union! Power! Union! RMIT and Melbourne Uni staff members and students here today. Um, this is um, this is only I've, this is the second protest I've been to since the beginning of the lockdown, and things feel a lot better when you're on the streets. Yeah. Things feel much more possible when you're on the streets. We're here to say absolutely no way. We will not pay. We will not pay for this crisis. We want the Liberal government to fund the $5 billion shortfall. And in the meantime, we want our vice-chancellors to dip into their billions and billions and billions of dollars worth of reserve assets and make sure that not a single job is cut, that a single paycheck is cut, that a single condition changes. I just wanted to say, you could look at this one of two ways that this is really small and insignificant and who cares what we do. Now, some people might think that. I think it's the exact opposite. We are putting a stake in the, in the sand that this is the most important way that we are going to operate in the next 12 months, that we are going to organise together. We are going to organise with flair. We're going to organise with courage and we are going to organise with action to defend every single member over every single condition that has been taken away, not just with COVID, but in the last few years for ongoing staff, for casual staff. Why this is important is that we are saying this is the future for our, universe, for our union. This is the future of how we organise for our union. We don't sit in a room and do try clever, clever deals which are coming unstuck at the moment where we can't distinguish between Matt McGowan and the Vice-Chancellor. Yes. Like, what's the yes. difference? Yes. At that level, we can't... That is a recipe for inaction. That is a recipe for, uh, for passivity and that is a, uh, a direction that will mean that the attacks will continue and we can't resist them. We are now trying to build a real union, a union that stands up for everybody and that everybody stands up. That's it for Sick Together this week. Sick Together is produced for 3CR Community Radio in so-called Melbourne. Stick Together is made possible through the financial support of the Community Broadcasting Foundation and we come to you on the Community Radio Network through your local community radio station. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au and you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. My name's Tilda Joy. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. And until next time, stick together. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. 
For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.